glad we serve an unchanging God. I'm glad we serve a God that uh, I, He has never forsaken us. He has never uh, not made good on one of His promises. Now we're waiting on a handful of promises to be fulfilled, but that doesn't mean they're not going to happen. It just means it's not the right time yet. But I, I'm thankful for a God that's true and unchanging. Uh, I did something a little different in the bulletin on the left side. Uh, at the bottom, a lot of times uh, I will put in there, uh, you know, either uh, it's a spillover sometimes of the right side, like how to how to listen to us on Facebook and everything. But uh, this it is Memorial Day tomorrow. So we're in Memorial Day weekend. And as Preston said uh, so well, we are remembering uh, those that gave their life for this country so that we can be free. And we can't take that for granted. Uh, you know, it is a blessing, the place that we live. If you if you don't realize that, try going to some different countries and realize it is much different than it is here uh, in many ways. But I, I put right there the, normally we only put Bible verses or things like that, but I put the First Amendment right there. Uh, and uh, uh, just in case you hadn't seen it before, maybe you've heard parts of it, uh, but it says this at the beginning, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. You realize that yeah. comes before the freedom of speech, before the uh, freedom of the press, before the freedom to assemble. They put first the freedom for us to come in and to worship the Lord and not just have a religion, right? That's the beginning. But I like it says the free exercise thereof. That means participate. That means worship. That means take it outside these walls. I'm glad we've got a freedom for that. We should thank God because many uh, men and women have had to give their life over the years for us to continue to be free. Uh, so I'm thankful for that. And so just want to start out with that and thankful that uh, the country that we're in, you know, a lot of times we're hard on this country. But, you know, like we said, I think it was Sunday night. Uh, you know, the more truth that uh, a country's exposed to, the more truth they're, the more they're held accountable for that. You know, so we're hard on America because America has known Jesus Christ uh, and was founded on Christianity. Now we've wandered away, but uh, uh, we're hard on it because we want America to repent. We want each and every soul to repent, come back to God. Uh, and to get right with Jesus Christ. So that, uh, but all that, Matthew chapter 11, we're going to be in the last three verses of the chapter. Um, thankful for God's word. Uh, you know, this God's word trumps everything. You know, even, even if they were to get rid of the constitution and said, we can't uh, freely exercise our religion anymore. Aren't you glad God's word's still true even then? Amen. And, uh, you know, even if we had to change where we gather or whatever, uh, I, I still want to be doing what God's called us to do. So Matthew 11, verse 28, this is Jesus speaking. He is saying this, Matthew eleven twenty-eight: come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for its truth. Lord, we've already, it's been a wonderful place to be with the, the kids starting us off reciting verses with the songs, the testimonies. And Lord, I pray now that we would continue in this service. Lord, that you'd use me, open up ears and hearts. Lord, help us to learn what your word has, to be challenged by it, but Lord, also to respond. And Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I thank you for your word. If there's any loss today, 
today. I pray they'd come to know you, Lord. Any uh, that's unsure that they'd get uh, a surety and uh, that they would know uh, that they're saved or not. Lord, if there's a Christian, uh, Lord, that's maybe wavering, Lord, I pray that they, they would get on the right track and would serve you. And Lord, we're asking you to do all these things in Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. So we see uh, these uh, three verses and on again on Sunday night, uh, I was dealing a little further up in the chapter and and I just kind of gave it to you. Uh, you know, Jesus pronounces a woe on three cities, Chorazin, uh, Chorazin uh, Bethsaida and Capernaum, because Jesus did most of his miracles in these three cities. And he was there. They heard him preach and teach more than anywhere else. Yet the Bible says they did not repent. And the big part of that message was it's going to be more tolerable for Tyre, Sidon, and even the city of Sodom than those three cities because they uh, uh, they faced judgment. But the Jesus was saying if they would have gotten the level of truth, if they would have seen the miracles uh, that Capernaum and the other cities did, they would have repented. So Jesus warned them that the more truth you get, the more exposure to the gospel you get uh, in your life, if you refuse to repent and accept Jesus Christ, the worse uh, the judgment after this life will be for you if you are lost. But after all that harsh warning, warning, Jesus gives an invitation now. Aren't you glad for that? He, he talks about judgment. He talks about sin. He talks about death. And you know, and the Bible talks about these, th these things, but it doesn't end there. Aren't you glad that uh, beyond judgment is mercy? Aren't you glad that uh, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound? And Jesus says after these things, after saying how harsh the judgment's going to be for Capernaum where he dwelt uh, even more than the Sodomites, he says this in 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you don't know, if you've never heard the gospel, I'm going to give it to you real quick. Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, every single one. Nobody has measured up to God's standard. Uh, and if you want to try to do it, you go from the first page all the way to the last page and see if you've done everything he said to do and not done the things he said not to do. Oh, not just today, not just for the last five minutes, but from the beginning of your life to the end of your life. You can't do it. Oh, and by the way, even if you could, you're born in sin anyway. So either way, we can't live up. That's why the Bible can confidently say for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, every single one. And then in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. That's what happens when you die in your sin. You Sin will lead you to death. And when you die in your sin, uh, uh, that is what leads you to hell. But like I said, I, it doesn't stop there. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life yeah, through Jesus yeah. Christ or through Christ Jesus, our Lord. If you reject Jesus Christ, he said, here's what would happen. You'll close your eyes in death. You'll be buried and you will open your eyes in hell. And when he talks about the rich man that found himself in hell, he, uh, we know from that story, the rich man was tormented in hell. He didn't have a fun time. It wasn't a party. He remembered everything about his life. Uh, you will remember all the truth that you were given. You will remember this very service. You think, Mike, that's impossible. I'll forget it in a month or two or a week or two. You will remember this service if you reject Jesus Christ and you open your eyes and out. He remembered all of that and he wished for even one drop of water to touch his tongue. 
You know, I've heard so many times, oh, we're going to be down in hell. We're going to be drinking it up with beer and everything else. No, he said one drop of water. And just in case you didn't realize, it takes water to make beer. He didn't have any of that to cool his tongue. And then his final wish was that nobody came and joined him. He said, somebody warn my brother so they don't come to this awful place. Right? He believed in the gospel, but it was too late. Second Peter 3, 9 tells us it is not Jesus's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And he is giving an invitation right here. Come unto me. That's what he's saying. I want you to come to me. Jesus is saying, I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want you to stay in your sins. I want you to turn to repent. And you realize if you were in the back of the sanctuary today and I said, come to me. What would you do? You'd stand up. You'd walk all the way up here to where you would be where I am, right? You'd, you'd close the distance between the two of us. You realize Jesus isn't talking about that. He's not saying come to me as in physically walking to where I'm at. No. When he says come to me, do you know what he's saying? He says, I want you. I want your heart to come to me. Right? Because we know Jesus. Listen to what Psalm 34, 18 says. The Lord is nigh or close or near unto them that are of a broken heart and save it such as be of a contrite spirit. We don't have to physically travel to where Jesus is. We couldn't even go to heaven uh, uh, without him. We can't travel to heaven on our own. He just wants us to be broken hearted over our sin. He wants us to be repentant. He wants us to be ready to turn to him for salvation. And that's the way he wants you to come to him. Uh, Romans 10 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God raised him up from the dead thou shalt be saved for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Jesus Christ himself is saying hey I want you to come to me. Why? I've already taken your sin to the cross. He died on the cross in our place. He took the full punishment of sin and he was dead he died in public he was buried they saw where he buried him at and then he rose on the third day victoriously and Jesus uh, if you call on his name and ask him to forgive you of your sins the Bible says without hesitation thou shall be saved he says come unto me and you need to answer his call right you need to answer that call he doesn't want anyone to go to hell you will go If you reject him, but he says, it's not his will that any should perish. Come to me. But what's he say? Well, number one, he says, come unto me. But right after he says, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. You're saying, now wait a second. I thought, come to me, whosoever will, right? Whosoever calleth upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. That's true. Well, why does it almost seem like there's an exclusion right here? It almost seems like only they that labor and are heavy laden can come to Jesus. No, that's not it. Proverbs 13, 15 says the way uh, of a transgressor, the way of transgressors is hard. Let me tell you something true right now. If you don't know Jesus Christ, the way of a sinner is hard. The life of a sinner before you come to Jesus Christ, it is a hard life. You realize this world is struggling right now because they are trying to live without Jesus Christ. And what's happening? They're failing. Right? They're failing mentally. 
They're failing uh, emotionally. They're failing all across the board. And they are lashing out on each other, lashing out on themselves, right? Isn't that what we're seeing? The ways of a transgressor are hard. So when he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, he's still talking about sinners right here. He's saying you are loaded down and you don't even realize how loaded down you are if you're a sinner without Jesus Christ. Life's hard because you don't have any true peace. We know that because only true peace comes from Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Uh, Life is hard because you've got no wisdom. You've got the Bible. You don't have the Bible to lead you. Yes, you can read the Bible as a lost person, but you don't have the Holy Spirit as a comforter and a guider and a teacher. And there's nobody when you're lost that you can call on that's bigger than you, right? I'm talking about really bigger than you. Nobody you can call on for help. And the worst thing is there's no real hope after this life, right? You believe uh, you evolved, you came from some animal and became uh, and came to where you're at. If you believe that today, there's no hope for you because what do they say? Uh, you'll die and another animal will take your place. That's, there's no hope in that. That's why they're heavy laden today. That's why this world is messed up today. They're without Jesus Christ. The world doesn't have... They're doing all these things. They're laboring to make a good life for themselves, but they're heavy laden with sin and it weighs down your life. Remember, Jesus told us or or the Bible tells us that uh, uh, and and wherefore being compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. That sin will weigh you down and will load you down. But he says, come unto me, all ye that labor are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Isn't that beautiful to think about? He's saying for the first time in your life, uh, you come to Jesus Christ, you call on his name, you admit that you're a sinner, you want to turn from that life, you call on Jesus's name and he will lift that load of sin off of you. He will forgive you of your sins and he will lift that load. Uh, So, And then you go from only being limited by your own strength and your own power and your own everything to now you are tapping into every resource of heaven. Do you remember the day when you got saved do you remember what you felt like before and then after you said amen what you felt like afterward this world doesn't realize that they don't realize that the load can be lifted of sin praise the lord i'll tell you what if you're saved and you're you're messed up in some uh, a sin right now that you're not repenting of and not turning from yeah this can happen even to a christian you need to get out of that You need to confess that to the Lord. You need to ask him to help because again, you're putting more load back on yourself that you're not supposed to be carrying. Remember what it felt like to not only have the load lifted, you remember what it felt like to have peace in your heart after you were saved. Wasn't it it an amazing feeling? Verse 29, after coming to me, you know what Jesus says right after verse 29? After you've come to Jesus for salvation, he says, take my yoke upon you. If you don't know what a yoke is, I had to look it up, right? I'm not, I haven't really dealt in farming or anything like that, but it's that harness, that wooden thing you would put over a pair of animals. You put it over one neck of one animal and one neck of the other animal and it would connect the two and in the middle they would attach it to the plow or to the wagon or whatever they were pulling or doing. That yoke would connect the two animals together and here's the thing, that yoke would force them to go in the same direction at the same speed and pull together and work together. And here's the the thing, 
Uh, uh, you know, when you put that yoke on an animal, the animal that uh, had been doing this for a while, when you put it on, they knew it was time to work, right? They knew it was working time. Uh, and uh, here's the thing. Jesus Christ said, I've saved you. You've come unto me. And he says, now it's time to work, right? You've been saved. Now it's time to put the yoke on, but not your yoke. What's he saying? Take, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. That's different. In order to take Jesus's yoke upon ourselves, you know what we have to do? We got to drop the heavy yoke that we're already carrying ourselves, right? There are heavy yokes in this life that you can have on yourself. The yoke of selfishness and self-centeredness. You got to take that off and put on Jesus's yoke. Uh, That yoke of pleasing others. uh, uh, You got to take that off and you got to please your savior by doing his will. There's the big yokes of entertainment and pleasure and hobbies and sports and everything else. If those things Things are preventing you from serving Jesus Christ. You got to take those yokes off to put his yoke on you. And guess what? His yoke is different. He says that in verse 30, doesn't it? For my yoke, Jesus said, is easy and my burden is light. If you've never realized this, serving Jesus Christ is easier than serving yourself. Serving Jesus Christ is easier than serving this world. You're thinking, Mike, I don't believe that. Have you ever tried it? Have you ever put yourself in his hands and walked by faith and let him supply your need instead of you supplying your need? It changes everything. Oh, you're saying, Mike, well, I'm still busy. I still get tired. All these things happen. Yes, yes, those are true. When you serve, when you work, uh, it does wear you out. It does take energy and time and everything else. But it is entirely different. Because I'm tapping into a different supply. Right? You know what? I'm convinced. There, You know, there are so many people leave a church. And many leave for the wrong reason. You know what the right reason to leave a church is? God's called you to another one. And you realize God would never call you to another church. Unless he had something for you to do there. Amen. Right? Right? He doesn't call you to go sit. He doesn't call you from working to sitting. He doesn't do that. Imagine that. Imagine I left here and I said, God called me to the church down the road and I'm just going to sit there. I'm not going to sing. not going to play the piano. not going to preach. not going to do anything. You're going to be like, God called you to do that or you called you to do that. Well, there you go. So that's the only right reason. There's a lot of wrong reasons that people leave. And I think there are two main ones where people leave this church wrongly. Oh, maybe you're listening now. Two things. Number one, if you didn't realize this, we preach that you have to live righteously as a Christian person. The Bible uh, says you need to live righteously. I think that's number one reason. And number two, we preach that you need to serve Jesus Christ with your whole life. So what happens is when they hear that enough, someone hears it enough, they get tired of it. They don't want to hear it. They either stop going to church altogether or they find another church that doesn't preach that anymore. So they can be comfortable as a Christian, either living in sin, uh, whether it's a sexual sin or laziness sin or disobeying God's will sin or any other sin. But I'm here to tell you, we are not going to stop preaching that as long as I'm alive because of this. The Bible tells us we need to live holy. First Peter 1.15, he will 
which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. And in KJV, conversation means your whole behavior, your life, everything, not just the way you speak. First Thessalonians 4, 7, for God hath, hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Again, Bible says we need to be holy, but also the Bible says we need to serve him. First Corinthians 7, 17, as the Lord hath called everyone, so let him walk. So you, he calls you, you walk in that calling. Jesus said, Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters for either he will either hate the one and love the other or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. He gives you two examples, but he says, hey, you're gonna serve someone. You're either going to serve me or you're going to serve something else and you can't serve more than one. You're going to serve. Luke 4, 8, Jesus answered and said unto them, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shall thou serve. That's what Jesus used against Satan and temptation. And you can even go, I, I'll challenge you even further. You're going to serve. We are called to serve him our whole life. And I used to say that was it until I reread Romans chapter 22. John sees, he's already seen the new heaven, the new earth. He's seen the throne. He's seen everything else. The very last chapter of the Bible, John sees the river of life. And in Revelation 22, 3, and there shall be no more. Uh, uh, and and I, it's, it's corrected the spelling here, so it's messed up. So I'm going to stop. Uh, I can't read the beginning, but he says, and his servants shall serve him. After this life, we're still going to serve Jesus Christ. But guess what? It's an honor to do that. It's a blessing to do that. And he said that yoke is easy and that burden is light. So guess what? I'm not changing the preaching because Jesus isn't changing his word. And if you, if you refuse to serve him, you refuse to live holy, you're going to be in trouble in this life. Yeah, you can go down the road maybe and find someone who doesn't preach that. That doesn't make it any less true. You're going to stand before the judge in judgment. So anyway, let's go on. He says, come unto me. So after you've come to Jesus for salvation, after you've taken his yoke upon you, verse 29, take my yoke upon you, what's it say? And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Do you see that? He says, learn of me. You know what I learned about that yoke? They would put two animals together, whether it's ox or horses or whatever. Usually in Bible times it was ox. They would put one ox on one side that knew what they were doing. Then they would put next to them one that was learning. Does that make sense? Yeah. And the one that knew what they were doing is going to teach that one. Amen. Now it may fight. Again, it may try to get out of it, but eventually it's going to realize I need to follow the one next to me, right? Because that's the easiest way, that hurts less, that gets the job done, and we can be done. The animal realizes that and learns it. And then when they learn it, they become the trainer, and you get a new one, and you just keep doing that. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. We're on one side. You know who's on the other side? Jesus. Amen. Right? Guess who's teaching us every day that we serve him, yes. that we work for him. He's right there working alongside of you, 
Helping you, interceding for you, right? Giving you grace, giving you wisdom, hearing your prayers, doing all of these things. He's right beside you. Why? Because you know what we try to do? We try to do our own thing. We try to buck out of it and everything else. And he's saying, if you would just walk with me, if you would just follow me, if you would just go alongside of me, I will teach you exactly what I want you to do. See, this is God. Remember, he's saying, I will be right there with you. Isn't that a wondering, a wonderful picture, a wonderful metaphor to think about that he will be right beside us. But you know what that makes me think? Is if you're not serving Jesus, if you're not putting his yoke on you, if you're not walking by faith and doing his will, you're not going to know hardly anything about who he really is. What's he say? What did he say? Come unto me, take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. You want to know who Jesus really is? You're going to have to put his yoke, stand right beside him, and serve him by faith. You do that, and I promise you, you will learn who he is. You will learn that his promises are true. Yeah, it's easy to read that I'll supply all your need according to riches and glory. Right? It's easy to read that. But how about stepping out in faith and not having what you need yeah. and saying, God, I need that, and then waiting for him to supply it yeah. and then realizing he'll supply it exactly what you need. He may not give you extra, but he'll give you what you need. I'm telling you what, I never really learned much about Jesus Christ until I started trusting him. And that's what he's saying right here. He says, learn of me. Learn of me. And look what kind of teacher he is. For those that are in school, have you had teachers that are mean before? Don't raise your hand. Don't give me a name. Right? Have you had teachers sometimes near the end of the career? They, they run out of patience. They're kind of mad. They probably should have left a year or two ago. Right? We've been there. Come on. You know that. You know it's true. He says, take my, lo- take my lo- yoke upon you and learn of me. Here's what kind of teacher he is. For I am meek and lowly in heart. You know what kind of teacher Jesus is? He's loving, compassionate, patient, merciful, helpful, meek, lowly. The King of kings and Lord of lords is willing to carefully and, 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 and lovingly correct us and get us into the right path and show us what we need to be doing. That's what kind of God he is. That's why he's saying, take my yoke, right? Take my yoke. You are carrying a yoke that's heavier and you don't even realize it. He said, take it off. You know what's wonderful? Jesus Christ was a carpenter. And I was reading a little bit that this Justin Martyr and lived about 70 years after Jesus Christ went back to Nazareth, interviewed people in his hometown and asked about who Jesus was. And there were people that came to him and said, I still have a yoke that Jesus made. And he says, take my yoke. He knew what he was talking about. Take it. Put it on. Be attached to me. And let's go. Let's do God's will. Let's do what he's called you to do. Okay, so ready? Come unto me. You're saved. Take my yoke upon you. You're serving and learn of me. You're a disciple. That's what we've gotten to now. Now you're a disciple, a serving disciple. For I am meek and lowly of heart. And now finally, what's verse 29 say? And ye shall find rest under your souls. Isn't that a good thing right there? But then if you're like me, you stop and say, that doesn't make any sense. 
right? How are you going to rest after working, right? I mean, I, I read something the other day that said the more, if you exercise, it gives you more energy, and I think it's a pyramid scheme, right? You are wasting energy. How are you going to get more energy, right? If you're using it, how do you get more? But anyway, you can argue with me later on that. But it says, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. It doesn't make sense that Jesus promises rest after you take on his yoke. But look, Jeremiah 6, 16. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Uh, where is the good way and walk therein and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. You want to find out what happens if you go against. The Old Testament has many examples. You want to find out what happens if you go against. You can see it in the New Testament too. You can look around you too. You can see it where people have said, I am not going to serve God. I'm going to serve myself. I'm going to serve others. I'm going to serve different things. I'm not taking on his yoke. But how do we find rest from serving the Lord? Because again, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It is easier to serve God. Every other yoke's heavy. You can only get real peace and rest from Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this question. Is your mind at peace? Is, is your heart at peace? You know, throughout the week or, or, or not? Or is it in turmoil? You know what this world will tell you to do? You're stressed out. You're burned out. All these things. The Lord or this world will say, take things away. Right? Stop doing certain things. You know what the temptation is? Stop doing things for the Lord. And that I'll have more time and more energy and everything else. No, that's a trap. You know what you got to do? You got to get rid of these other things. Focus on serving the Lord. Seek ye first His will. Seek ye first the Lord's will. And it'll change you. You'll get peace. You're thinking, Mike, I've seen your life. It seems pretty frantic. It is. It is. But I'll tell you what. He gives me the strength to do it. Right? He gives me the energy. He gives me the time where there's not enough time. He gives me these things to help me. And I'm not the only one. I'm looking across the sanctuary where he does the same thing for you. So if you're just one of the very few that has not gotten on board and has not decided to leave yet, I'm here to challenge you to say, hey, put his yoke on. See that it's easier. Serve the Lord with your whole life and watch and learn that he's a lowly and meek teacher. He will bless you and you'll be able to come in and worship better because you know who he is better because you've been side by side with him and you I'm telling you it will change your life it'll change your life but it's a choice just like everything else it's a choice it's a choice whether you come to Jesus Christ or not but there's consequences if you don't that's hell there's a choice whether you're going to serve God with your life or not you can waste your life you will stand before Jesus in a different judgment and he's going to ask you this question what have you done with your life since I saved you? I gave you time, energy, health, gifts. What'd you do with it? Then you're going to have to stand in front of him. I wasted it. You want to do that to Jesus? I wasted it. You gave me a new life. You took the burdens away. You allowed me to have an easier job 
You allowed me to learn of you, to see more about you, to trust you. You put a plan for my life before I was even born. Jeremiah tells us that. You did all that for me, and I'm going to waste my life. You'll stand before him and tell him, or at least be ashamed. Now, you'll still have heaven, but you're going to miss out on rewards. Mike, what are they? I don't know. But when you serve him, he talks about rewards other than heaven. But here's the big problem. I think the clearest example in the Bible is Lot. He had been around Abraham. He knew how to worship. He knew about God. He knew what God expected of him. And instead, he turned and said, I'm going to live where I want, how I want. I'm not going to worship. I'm not going to teach my family about God. I'm not going to do any of these things. He was tormented day after day living in Sodom. He knew it was wrong, but he liked it too much. He liked living in town. He liked the, the, the nice things. He, it looked like Egypt. Uh, so that he's living his life day after day. Eventually, he gets a little more numb to the sin that's going on around him. He doesn't participate in it, uh, but he's just around it. You know, the, the convictions he once had, he doesn't really have anymore. When he was around Abraham, uh, he knew what was right and wrong. Now it's like, well, it's a little wishy-washy, right? You know, uh, who am I to judge anyone and everything else? And then there came a day where two angels came to visit him, and he knew there was a problem. Why? Because they're standing out there, and all the men of Sodom want them. Right? And he's saying, man, so he's he's trying to get them in the house, right? Hide them in the house so they don't see what's going on around in the city. He knows it's a problem. Uh, you know, he's trying to talk the men of Sodom uh, out of being wicked. Yeah, try going down to Columbus and try talking them out of living their lifestyle without without mentioning anything about the Lord. He's like, you shouldn't be so wicked, right? You shouldn't live so wickedly. How's that going to work for you? It's not going to work. It didn't work for him either. And then they warn him. They say, the city's going down. You need to warn your kids. He goes to them. What happens? He tells them, the Lord's here. Judgment's coming. They laugh at him. They ignore him. I don't care. Crazy old man. Right? And what's he do? He leaves with just his two daughters and his wife. His wife wants the life. Never really left. Right? All her feet may have left. But she wanted right back in that city. Pillar of salt. He's got two daughters left. What happens? You read the story. What happens with them too? It's a mess. It's a mess. Two people groups that, that the children of Israel had to uh, fight against ever since. That is what happens. When you waste your life. You don't take his yoke upon you. That's the best example I have. Is that what you want? Maybe you're alright. Maybe you go to heaven. Behind Lot was just a path of destruction. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. He doesn't want that. If you're lost, come unto me. Now make sure you've really come to Jesus Christ. You've really confessed your You've admitted you're a sinner. You've called on his name, asked him to forgive you of your sins. You believe that he died on the cross for your sins, rose on the third day. If, you, if you've never done that, you're not saved. You need to call on his name. And do it the way the Bible says. Now, if you're saved, take my yoke upon you. You've got to serve Jesus. He's got a plan specifically for your life. It's different than my plan. He's got an individual plan for you. He wants you to pick up his cross, follow him, be yoked to him, serve him, all those things. And then learn of him, become his disciple by following him, by walking with him. And ye shall find rest in your souls.
People want the rest without the coming to me. They want the rest without taking my yoke. They want the rest without learning of him. Doesn't happen. The rest comes last. Maybe you need a break today. Maybe you need to look upstream and say, have I done all those things? That's why I'm not finding rest. We're going to open up the altar today. If you need to come. You need to come. Are you yoked to Jesus Christ? Are you? Are you doing his will? If I asked you, what is his will in your life? What would you say? You know what it is? Have you made it up? You know, so that you're doing something? Are you really doing what he's called you to do? I think for some people in this room, God's got bigger things for them. Now, I think for some, you're right where you need to be. And that's a blessing. But I think for some, he's dealing with you. Especially if you've served him before and you're not serving him now. You will not find rest. I promise you. You'll find chastisement. And then, you know what chastisement sounds like? Why can't I catch a break? Right? Why can't, why are these things not happening to me? Why does it feel like prayers are going unanswered? Why does it feel like God's against me? He's trying to get you to turn. So if you find yourself saying that or thinking that a lot, maybe you need to do a little heart search and say, hey, am I what God wants me to be? And then learn with me. You should know more about Jesus today than you did five years ago, ten years ago. Because not only being in his word, but serving will help you to learn of him. And then you find rest. And guess what? Find rest for your souls here. Oh, we talk about resting in heaven. Find rest here. That's what he's got for us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for its truth, Lord. This excites me to think about, Lord, because I've got a group of people. There are some people that are plugged in. They are, they've got the yoke on. They are moving with you, and it's exciting because you are using people in a great way, and that is a blessing. No church can run without people that are serving you uh, and doing what you called them to do. But Lord, if there are a few more, that aren't. Lord, I pray that today's the day they pick it up. They pick up the cross. They put the yoke on and they say, you know what? That thing I've been struggling with, that thing I've had all these excuses about, today's the day I do it. And Lord, I pray that you'd help them each step of the way. Help us to be encouragers. Help us to, uh, Lord, to work together. And Lord, we want revival. And maybe it's just one or two more people picking up that yoke and putting it on. Lord, I'm excited. We've got VBS coming soon. And Lord, I pray that there are more that come to you through VBS and through other outreaches. Lord, I pray that we see souls saved. And Lord, help us to disciple them once they are. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all things. We thank you for this country. We thank you for the opportunity to freely worship you today and come in together. Lord, watch over us. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen.